No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. So, listen. You you can buy CBD at the gas station, man. Ew. You can. And you can actually, I saw a display of CBD at the pharmacy at the grocery store. I mean, that's not a horrible place to pharmacy, but you know what? You can buy it there. Yeah, you can. And you know what's going to happen. You're going to go home and you're going to try your CBD product and it's probably not going to do anything. Yeah. And if it does, fantastic. And you scored, but... If you want a sure thing, go to Sunset Lake CBD. They are out of Vermont. They are our sponsor, No Simple Roads family of sponsors. And they are pesticide-free, organic, amazing. They're doing things so great. So, babe. And this stuff is a game changer, man. I'm telling you right now, if you're one of those people that gets anxious from smoking weed, And you miss it, you know, you miss the social aspect of it. You miss rolling a joint, hanging out with your friends, doing a bong rip. uh, It's your personal testimony. All all that stuff can come back into your life, man. And and not only can it come back, it can actually benefit you. This stuff will help you sleep. It'll relax your body. You know, the first thing I noticed when I took the first bong rip of this stuff was instant muscle tension release in my body like you can actually feel this stuff but it doesn't go to your head there's no paranoia there's none of that crap man and they have a full complement of stuff if you don't if you're one of those people that doesn't like to smoke you don't have to smoke they've got tinctures gummies are the best and gummies gummies really are the best yep they've got all kinds of stuff tinctures gummies um they have keef blunts that they have pre-rolls flour do they have coffee and they have CBD <laughs> infused dark That's roast good Peruvian beans. coffee. That's still one of my favorite coffee that I've ever had. Actually, I have a little stash left. Really? Yep. Of I course do. he does. You, he's such a. Snake. I only have uh-huh. one nug left. Yeah, he's one bean. I only have one bean. Wow. <laughs> anyway, if you want to check this stuff out, the, I'm, I'm not joking, you guys. This stuff is a game changer. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com or follow them on Instagram at sunsetlake and check this out. They're hooking up the No Simple Road family with 15% off of your purchase. That's nothing to shake a stick at. So put in the promo code NSR15 when you check out at sunsetlakecbd.com and take care of your body, man.
Have you ever listened to Jim and Nell? Out of a Grinch? That you got from Electric Fish Lights? Shit. Shit. You know what? You can. You can <laughs> listen to pretty much any band out of a insert name of character here from Electric Fish Lights. <laughs> there are many. Okay. These are like the coolest lights ever. If With you're, if IQ you're, technology, which stands for interlocking quadrilaterals. And what that is, it's 30 interlocking pieces and they can be configured into 15 different shapes. And then when you take those shapes and put them together, they can pretty much make anything you can conceive in your mind hole. They are very creative over at Electric Fish with their designs. You design it and they build it, choose a shape, size, and colors, and all lamps come fully assembled and are ready to be plugged in when they arrive. They're made of upcycled vinyl, like um, milk jug plastic. Mm -hmm. They come with a 12-foot cord, a 12-year energy-efficient, safe-to-leave-on LED light bulb, and a hardware kit to hang the light. And check this out. You can get a light bulb from these guys that goes inside your bitchin' lamp that has a speaker in it and changes colors so not only will this beautiful work of art hang in your home it can flash and what's the and play music yeah yeah it's it's a little am- heartbeat that's amazing where where light bulbs have come to right yeah. <laughs> and they work on bluetooth too so and they could be used outside it, and they're giving 10% off to the no simple road family Heck yeah so put in the promo code nsr when you check out and they will hook you up with 10% off. And any NSR family member that orders a light with the color changing upgrade, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get a free poster. Yeah, you are. It's it a responds l- to the light. It does. It's a limited edition special promotional No Simple Road print. And check this out, man. When you turn on the color changing fl- flippy light thing next to posters from wherever wherever anything sure the posters do something magic you this i'm not going to give it away but you you got to order the light with color changing upgrade put it next to your poster turn off the light in the room and turn that light on and watch what happens you have posters in your house right this minute that have done that can do something that you've never seen them do before so go to electricfishlights.com online or at electricfishlights on instagram put in the promo code nsr when you check out and you will get 10% off and enlighten yourself, man. Last but not least, No Simple Road is part of Osiris Media. And if you are one of those people that likes music, and I'm guessing you probably are because you're listening to No Simple Road, and you like jam bands, and I'm guessing you are because you're listening to No Simple Road, then you need to be listening to all the podcasts on Osiris Media. O'Teal and Mike Fenoya have a new podcast on Osiris Media called comes a time and they are tackling the tough issues that are happening right now like race and voting and all mental health all that kind of stuff is going on over it comes a time Terry lee weathers has groove therapy past present future live under the scales has a premium thing going on eric krasno plus one just had peter shapiro on so you know what Osiris Media is the way to go. Make sure to go check out all the podcasts on Osiris. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work 
that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available, and spots are extremely limited, so visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. storyteller but i'm not quite as good a storyteller as this week's guest no yeah that's true it's this week's guest hey no no simple road family what's going on out there this is this is aaron and and that's bounce and that's (laughs) and mel and apple are here with me welcome we decided to join aaron this time yeah well i just didn't get a wild hair up my ass and start recording when everybody was at work but this week's guest is Jim from Nell and Jim Band. And if you are unfamiliar with who that is, just think Grateful Dead family. Think um, Jim has played with David Grisman. Um, I can go through the pedigree of names that, that they have come in contact with and played with through their life. This is down home. Grateful Dead family right here. This is a a really really fun cool interview. We I I looked at the file. I could this was a couple of weeks ago that we recorded it. And when I opened it up, I was like, "Wow, we did like an hour and 30 minutes with with Jim. This was a a great interview and we even got a little surprise visit from Nell. Yeah, yeah and Nell did. stepped in for a minute. That was really sweet. <laughs> for sure. He was an amazing storyteller. And I can't wait for you guys, especially if, you've, if you're if just a uh, listener to the show and you don't know who Jim and, or Nell and Jim Band are, 
listen to this and then put on um, some music and Mm -hmm. hopefully the sun is shining where you are and put on a fun skirt or some fun loose pants. Even if you're a dude. Yeah. And go and twirl outside to this awesome amazing you know what when we're done recording i'm gonna go put on a skirt and twirl outside (laughs) i recommend it yeah that that would be fun it would be fun for me to see that (laughs) (laughs) but you know what man this is no simple road and we don't do things normal around here so you know what we're gonna do what we're gonna have a little chat before we get to the interview oh yeah yeah what are we gonna have a chat about i don't know man what do you want to talk about today mel i want to talk about how you felt post reading what the reading that we all had for one of our upcoming interviews we don't have to talk about that yet but i want to know how you felt after that reading well I, okay i got to give the folks context sure give them context so in an upcoming in an upcoming episode of no simple road <laughs> in a world we we had a uh, astrological mm. chart reading for No Simple Road and each of the members of No Simple Road. And if you've never had your chart read, it, I don't know, man. I told Mel, like, whenever I go into like tarot readings or astrology charts and stuff like that, there's always that thing in the back of my mind is like, this thing could, could tell you, like, you're on the wrong track, you know, stop doing what you're doing. Or, but there was, absolutely none of that in this we well i'm not gonna blow it but anyway how did i feel yes. after because i say that to the listeners because there was like some very big like it made me feel validated in in some ways very validated and way more sure of myself and the choices that i've made in beginning and continuing no simple road it also um, solidified the thoughts that i've been having surrounding the show during quarantine um and how i feel the rhythm and vibe has changed and why and uh in a good way and that it's growing and growing up and so that made me feel accomplished and um, it it made me start doing heads talking by myself because I felt like I needed to speak to the family and step it up. So it it moved me. What about you? Wow, that's nice to hear. Um, for me, I feel like it. Oh, and I have an issue with my feet. <laughs> <laughs> What's that little thing that when you have a fire and you like um, air to the fire? Bellows. Bellow. A, a billow or bellow? Bellows. So I felt like it. there was, they were, both her and her mom were bellows for cobwebs and dust that were concerning my childhood. And that they just and blew away so many um, and also like reassured me of things and made I felt like I had more interior space I felt like things that I had been hung up on like questioning I don't know if they were answered but they were put to rest that's a hell of a a service 
I know. That's yeah. like yeah. That's like psychotherapy. It was psychotherapy, yeah. and I've talked to her since then because um, Kate's my old boss, and her mom is my old client. And so I have a personal uh, knowing of these two wonderful women. Um, and it was profound for them also mm. after. Okay. On their end. What about you, Apple? Uh, I feel the same way in a different way of what Aaron said. Uh, not not the fear like, oh, it's going to be something bad. I have a little bit more of a skeptic in me of the people that do these things. Because, I mean, I believe that I believe in astrology and tarot card stuff and all that. But there's so many... There's so many fakes out there. People mm. aren't doing it for the right reason yeah. or just doing it for money, whatever. I didn't feel that here, which was very nice. And it was what, what Mel said, <clears throat> too. It it removed uh, some doubt, but that's not the right. Kind of like what you're saying. It's not like, not like I was doubting myself, but I wasn't sure maybe yeah. of direction. Yes. Maybe like I was going off the road a little bit, like yes. kind of wonky, kind of pulling over, slowing down, like especially right now in these times, yes. it's really easy to just be like, fuck man, <laughs> you know, kind of giving up, pulling off the road a little. And this was kind of like, no, no, you're good, man. You just got to wash up the bus and wipe the wheels mm-hmm. off, a little armor all, a little more, little unleaded gas. You're good. Mm-hmm. It helped give direction, like to get back on that bus and give direction and feel good about things that are upcoming. Yeah. And they were, they were super awesome together. Like, the mom and daughter team. There was something in that, and uh, well, we'll get more into that when yeah, that yeah, episode we'll, we'll, comes out. Yeah. But but mom was so awesome. She had like a childlike amusement almost that I found that, that sparked me. She, you could tell that she was so into what she was doing and so fascinated by the yes. things she was mentioning about us. It grabbed you. you. Something that's come up a couple of times since then, and. It, it has given me a different viewpoint on, on what we're doing and, and this not in an ego way. This doesn't have anything to do with ego or like, look at what we did, like that kind of thing. But like, wow, I, I never even thought that we could be perceived in this manner was like um, we were talking to Travers Brothership. And while we were, t- you guys, I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode. Anyway, um, while we were talking to them, he was like, dude, I, I was looking back over um, all of the episodes that you guys have done and the people that you've had on the show. And I was like, shit, this is like this is like a real thing that we're doing. Like we're going on a real this is this is a big deal. And then when we talked to Kate and her mom, her mom was nervous yeah. about being on No Simple Road. And I, I said I said to you the other day, Mel, like. It's just us. Like, well, why I, would anybody think that? You know, but it, it, but hearing that twice in within a week, and understanding where that perception comes from, and and I never thought of no simple road like that. I did. I don't look at it like that. I'm on the inside of it, and so to see it through someone else's eyes, it kind of reminds me of what Jaden said to me back at the very beginning of no simple road um, you should refresh everybody yeah if you guys don't know what i'm talking about our friend Jaden uh had been listening to the show and had been being helped by us talking on the porch and then she came over to the house and told me that and i was like oh he shucks you know it's no big deal like right on that's cool 
This is early on in yeah, the very early. This is like in the first year. And uh, she was like, you know what, dude? J- Jaden is a very outspoken, wonderful, loving individual. And very... If you want it blunt, straight, yeah, you go I was Jayden. a very no, blunt no person. And she looked me in the eyes and she goes, you know what, dude? I listened to your show and I get all this wonderful stuff from it. And I'm, it's like changing my life. And then I come over here and I'm talking to you and you're all all shuck. She's like, bro, you need to own your shit. And I was like, oh, damn. And so this was another moment of that for me. And like I said, not in an egotistical way, but in a like, okay, it's okay to feel good about your accomplishments in your life, man. It really is. It's okay to it's recognize. It's also good to take care of them. Like, and, if, think and if you don't, you don't get, you can't get better. Well, and if you don't, it can, it's in danger of not like, think about if you don't take care of something. I want to know what you mean by that, Apple. If you don't recognize like uh, the power you have or whatever, if you don't recognize it yourself, then it can get lost or it can get misguided. What, like she was saying, you need to own your shit and you own your shit. Then you have more better direction and purpose. That's what I mean by that. Whoa. If you just ignore it. Let that in. Yeah out there you guys like for real that's that's great advice when somebody gives you a compliment it's very i do everybody does it i'm not just i'm picking on myself too it's very easy to just be like like, okay whatever all shucks and brush it off uh everybody (laughs) everybody deserves that shit you need to own it yeah it, it is difficult mel always says aaron you're so good at taking a compliment like you you just like oh thanks but there's the feeling attached to it on the inside. And I think that's the, the deeper side of it. Like knowing, being okay with knowing that the compliment is true is, is tough because you can be good at taking a compliment and say, thank you and not be shy about it. But believing in the truth of what the person is complimenting you for is the, the rub for me. And the difficult or has been in the past. But at a certain point that it becomes denial. Because you if you really look back at what you've done, you not only set out to do what you like, you set out to do what, what you wanted to do, and you've accomplished it and then some. And it's like times 180 episodes or something it still trips me out like i i think back i told you this that's where the hold on that's where the power is is in recognizing what you've accomplished and walking in it wow and that goes for everybody this isn't just for us you know this isn't just for us here i mean this applies to everybody man like think about your life and all of the things that you've done and how far you've come and give yourself a minute, man, to like soak that in. It's easy to do now. Look, look on like your Facebook, like time lapse, right? Instagram, just scroll through and see when you started Instagram to where you're at now, your phases, what you've done, the stuff you've probably forgotten about. Like it's your own photo album. Like give yourself props for whether it was like you wanted to go on tour that summer and you did, or you graduated or you helped your, you you started that business. Yeah, man. Like look at it. Look like really take a look, not just like 
you know, flip through and, you know, there was a time when you wanted to make jewelry and now you're making jewelry like that. That's Mm -hmm. a huge thing. Like, and I was going to say, like, I remember being in my cubicle at work and listening to Duncan Trussell and thinking to myself, how cool would it be if no simple road could have like a sponsor? How cool would it be if we could have Duncan on the show? Like that would be so bitching. And then that stuff happens and it's in the moment. It's like, Whoa, this is happening. Whoa. But then time passes and you forget the feeling of the exhilaration of of finding your goal. Yeah. And, um, I think especially with no simple road, because it has a digital footprint and is recorded and there's like these tangible moments I can go back and look now and see, yeah, we've talked to Dennis McNally. We've we've talked to Big Jeff Comenti, Big Steve, uh, Dave Schools, Billy Strings. Those that's if right now Aaron went to 2014 Aaron and was like, "Yo, dude, you're gonna go talk to blah 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 blah." 2014 Aaron would shit his pants. Even 2016 Aaron. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Especially 2016 Aaron. You don't even got to go that far back. Like just like when we first moved here, that list of people, half of them you didn't know, half of them you really respect and love and know. Think about that. And that's what's been amazing too. Other than that, we've talked about this several times is getting to that point where we're a sought after platform for all these local bands up here that we've got a chance to meet and become friends with yeah. like lost ox and Amora Amora mm-hmm. and you know, all the, the, like they, the Higgs respect us. Yeah. They, they want well, it's mutual, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Completely yeah. Mutual. mutual. It's what we want to be able to offer that is, you know what I mean? To be able to offer that, like, fuck, we got something that we can help you out with. Usually yeah, it's the band. So Usually it's the band helping us. Our whole life it's been the band. It's been you musicians and artists helping us. It's music is life yeah, and has saved all of our lives. And to actually get to the point to where we can give, we have something to offer back yeah. because I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist, but to be able to have built something to build built built a house <laughs> that that you guys can come hang out at and that you want to hang out at and have fun and, and sometimes can, you don't want to leave when yeah, you come hang out yeah and we like can <laughs> we can help you get the word out about your band and about your tour and about all the news and everything that's going on like having a space that we can give back to the community that's given so much to all of us is an honor it yeah, really never is. thought I'd yeah. be doing that. No, it life. is an honor. You're right, babe. That's a nice way to look at it. It's a really cool thing to, especially now when you can't, you know, cut a rug in person mm. and see them. Now we get to be the platform for them. The connection. We're the stage is the other way around. On that on that note, I want to say something. I don't know about you guys out there, but. I pay attention to everything that's going on with the musical community and I'm noticing something. Mm. Live music is coming back. 
Yes, it it's, is. It yeah. is. It is starting to happen. Yes, it is. And, and um, we went to our first live music event last <laughs> night. Aaron. So fun. <laughs> so fun. At one point I turned around. I was like, why are you smiling? Because Aaron's been kind of in the funk in the last couple of days. And he just, I'm happy. I'm happy to be, be here. <laughs> we were in a fucking Walmart parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like outside. <laughs> socially distanced. Socially distanced. <laughs> watching a, watching a, a our friend Cody's guitar teacher's band and it Kenny was, Lavitz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so much fun just to see live music. It felt it, good yeah, to hear it. It really did. Just, it was like birds flying above us and the sun was setting and there was like big, beautiful trees behind us. And then every now and then there'd be a waft of like sure. animal shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow while you're and, eating your pizza outside and, of the walmart parking yeah lot. one once one side would be the pizza it smelled fantastic and nice and then the, 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 the wind would blow I've the other way that. wow because <laughs> it just happened last night <laughs> you know what though man like i said it's coming back and um i don't remember who we were speaking to but somebody that we were talking to was talking about the whole like coronavirus um quarantine election all of it and was like, this is a three-act play, and we are at the beginning of Act 3. And, man, I am so glad the intermission's over, and I am so glad that Act 3 has started, and we can come to the climax of whatever this thing is and start to get out and move. I, I, yeah. I am really... And, and I, I don't know, that's what I was saying in the beginning, like, I don't know about you guys out there, but I can feel it. I can feel it starting up again. I could feel, even though it's on the East Coast and it's all drive-in shows mostly, and I can feel you guys from across the country. It is well, life. We, and we were talking too, but we were been noticing that, I mean, because a lot of bands have been separate from each other. Yeah. And not... Oh, yeah, the String Dusters. We're starting together. to see more bands... <clears throat> To where they're getting, they're going back and starting to rehearse and starting to do these shows, the drive-in shows and stuff, because everybody was not for a while. Yeah, so I think that's we're past the dead of back winter. To normal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, spring is getting ready to happen here soon. Just well, just and hold it's time. fall. It's actually just became fall. But you and get, I, I, I'm, I lo- I'm speaking I, metaphorically. But yeah. I love, I love this right now because winter is. You know, I'm a freaking polar bear, Santa Claus. Winter is like my favorite season. And it is like spring is starting right during fall. So winter is going to be summer. <laughs> it's like flip the script. Listen, kind of. if you guys it's out like, there followed that, man. <laughs> good, for yeah, good, for you. good for you. Way to go. If you're following me. Be careful. It's, that's that's true. I got to throw something else out there real quick. Don't we're, throw we're talking about our Softball. week and everything. T- today, we, we, we mentioned Cody. Um Today we got out and me and Aaron went and met up with Cody and he took us on this. This dude knows everything about mushrooms. And I'm talking like we went out legitimately to get like chanterelle. Looking for chanterelles is what we went out for. And it was just beautiful to get out for the day for a couple hours. We went with him and his awesome little dog and amigo amigo. And we just had a great time. And this was fun because it wasn't like I mean trail hiking this was just walking out into the forest and foraging and looking under things and we and got skunked things. well not 100 percent. 
We didn't get 100%. No, we, 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 yeah, Cody was like, I'm so sorry, guys. I think we're a little early, but it was just fun to get out. And Apple that, found Apple found the, the prize mushroom of the day. The, the shrimp mushroom? Yes. What was it? Bolete oh. shrimp mushroom. Okay. And and we got a, a lacquer. Um, damn it, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, but, well, we got a cool mushroom. Who's Aaron will probably sure Aaron will post a picture of it in the next day or so. Yeah, big old, looks like a big old melted piece of but wax. I'm, I'm thankful for that this week. That was really nice to just get out into nature. Don't, haven't done that enough either. That's yeah, what I was especially talking, this year. talking about on Heads Talking on Monday, dude, is just like unplugging from the matrix for a minute yeah the first thing we did we got out there too we all looked at our phones like oh i don't have my nobody had service i was like eh, oh well that's we go. awesome when you don't have service when cody recommended that i got so happy for you guys i was like you you're gonna go right because i you were feeling so bad apple's so overworked and apple never realizes it that he part of the thing with you is like you just need to literally move that energy yeah but you like to relax like so, i did it so last it gets, night so it gets I, I agitated you know i didn't go to the thing with you guys and you ended up having a great time i wish i would have gone but it was really I nice chilled because, because the weather was fantastic and that was part of it it was just like so beautiful and people were celebrating a birthday and like it was just you know Look, we're getting back. We're in a healing phase, you know? And so... We're getting there. The, so what about the masks? And so what about, like, whatever we have to do to get back together? Like, let's just do what we need to do to be responsible, to be together. Whatever they need to tell us to do, let's just do it. And I don't mean that for everything, but you know what I mean, like, and concerning this. And so we, we did. We had a great time. And... I'm glad that you guys went. Yeah, I'm glad that you fun. and Apple went and got out in nature and had the dog. And it was it was really cool to see you guys come back tired from not just get going to Costco and get <laughs> 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 So we're not from Costco. Those institutional lights and the weirdness, though. Yeah, so <laughs> I I just enjoy when you guys do stuff and different things. That's what it is. So do we. Yeah. What well, was fun on the way back? We stopped because we were hungry and we stopped it that's the first time i've been to a food cart in quite a while we yeah. went to the food cart pods and there it was hella people people wearing their masks being respectful getting their table take your mask off to eat and it was it, it was, was cool it was yeah it's exactly what i was saying man it feels like things are waking up like when we were driving through the city and it there was a little more activity and yeah. people on the streets and things are the, the the squirrels are starting to come out of their den the bears are starting to wake up things are things are starting to happen even though it's almost winter I get it. I, I get the, the reality, but, but I don't live in reality. I live in my head and in my head it's springtime. So take that, <laughs> take that, <laughs> put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, but we really do have a great episode for you with Nell and Jim. And yeah. we can actually say that we have Nell and Jim. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the um, Nell and Jim band on the show. But we are going to do the business. So follow us on Instagram if you're not already. And if you are following us on Instagram, when you make your posts, if you would kindly use the hashtag, hashtag no simple road, that way we could see what the No Simple Road family is up to. I will repost your stuff in our stories and we get to know each other and see each other and it creates community and connection and fun and light and love. And that is the mission of No, no Simple, Simple Road. Road. So do that. Hashtag No Simple Road. Also go to www.nosimpleroad.com and check out the plethora 
of new merchandise that is up on nosimpleroad.com with the new sun logo that I designed oh for us. The logo's you guys, dope. By Arr. far my favorite piece of No Simple Road merchandise I have ever gotten. What? Is my brand new hoodie with the new design. Your design. It is super fuck. It looks so good. Sorry, Apple, it, I cut him off. If, if no, I you just said what I was gonna Aaron order well <clears throat> at first I was gonna say he ordered me a nice maroon shirt with the design on back and i didn't know he did but apparently aaron asked me what i wanted and i told him that earlier and apple's week. like you ordered me a shirt and i was like yeah dude i ordered you a shirt and i texted you before i did it and asked you if you wanted a shirt or a hoodie logo on the front of the back and he's like no you didn't and i pulled up the text and i'm like it's right here bro and, and then i realized oh they know me i live here when i'm at work and i get <laughs> texts or messages i look yeah. at it and i think like in my head You're it's like oh i responded or if i did respond i don't remember aaron's like you can't argue with me it's right here dude <laughs> but the point is i good. got my beautiful shirt there's all kinds of stuff up there now man yeah. there's there's hoodies there's uh hoodies and t-shirts camping mugs there's camping mugs there's raglan t-shirts that look dope as shit man and a bunch of you guys have bought stuff there's there's um Fanny packs. Oh, yeah. This, this motion with my hands. Packs. I was going to say, it was like packs. Aaron was doing an odd motion. Um, that's fanny packs. Yeah. Uh, fanny packs. And I'm going to keep saying fanny packs. And uh, neck gaiters. Neck gaiters. So go check that out. Uh, no, www.nosimpleroad.com. Go to the top of the page and click gear. And if you're on your phone, click the little hamburger menu and it'll drop down. You click gear and then brings you into the world. No Simple Road merchandise. And we have a new review on apple podcast and Ooh. one of us is going to have to read it because my phone is dead yeah deader than a door now i have gonna, it right here cool um this is on september 16th so it is fairly new you know, 11 days old um from ocean beach girl design and it's hey now hey now so stoked i found your pod i have been catching up with the vibe and we are vibing along Thanks for all the focus and sincerity and love. I'm in the PNW and we got to connect somehow, some way through the smokestack haze Oof. to see blue sky days. Yes. Peace fingers. Aw. Yeah. Aww. Thank you We would love so to much. connect with you. Ocean Beach Girl Design. Hit us up at uh, nosimpleroad at gmail.com. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that is uh, super sweet. Thanks for that. And, for everybody else out there, remember to leave those five star reviews and yeah, five I, stars I, and reviews. I know, you know, I don't know if you guys out there understand the importance of that. Like if everybody that listens to this, it's, just it's currency, this, just this episode stopped and left a five star review for no simple road, it would do more than mostly anything you could do for us like it is huge for the show when we get reviews on apple Podcasts. so if you're listening right now please i'm asking you a favor man yeah. doesn't cost you anything but a couple of minutes of your time not even a couple minutes maybe a minute yeah what you do is you go to your app you hit the search you search no simple road you go to the show and you scroll down a little bit and you'll see reviews and then it says leave a review and you just leave the review and then you're done. And you know what? When you're done doing that, there's a warm feeling that'll flow through your body yeah. and your mind, a relaxing feeling. Knowing, knowing that we're going to read it. That's on right. The show. And then we're going to get that same feeling. Yep. And you have karma coming back to you in this like figure eight flow of infinity. And we continue yeah, this fun thing that we're fuzzy doing. Fuzzy feeling that you gave yourself by doing it, you gave to us when we read it. Right. So do that. 
Like Ocean Beach Girl. <laughs> and Designs. if you want to interact with your fellow No Simple Rodians, you can go to Reddit r forward slash no simple road you can also join the no simple road family group on facebook and if you want to tell us something special a story a recipe tell us a, a tale about your dog your anniversary the story. last time you took way too much acid something like that you want to talk about that you can call the tepid line that number is 971-808-1524 again that number is 971-808-1524 operator standing by so you ready Guys? Yeah, I'm totally ready to hear I this I hope interview. everybody's ready. I don't know, man. I don't think they're ready. Let's yeah, make them wait. Fantastic. Let's just keep talking. No. No? Ready or not. Well, this is kind of like, go back to what Mel said. When, after you listen to this, if you don't know who they are, you got to put on their music because they're storytellers. It takes you somewhere else. We enjoyed talking to Jim so much here that uh, we, went, we went longer than we usually do because yeah. we just got wrapped up in it. Yeah. It was just a wonderful, beautiful conversation. And like I said at the jump of this thing, man, this is Grateful Dead family and family history right here. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this one, you guys. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Jim from the Nell, Nell and, and Jim, Jim Band. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it, it's we live in a very strange reality right now. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Hang on. Before we start, let me introduce myself. I'm Aaron, <laughs> and I also Hi, have Aaron. Apple and Mel here. Hi there, Jim. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry, but it's just uh, my Bert, name is Mel, and yeah, um, we have Apple, Mel, and Aaron. Apple, Mel, and Aaron. All right. Yes, I'm I'm Apple. Thanks for joining us. And Apple's my last name. That's that's why I go by oh, Apple. Cool. <laughs> and for the All American boy, for the folks out there that don't know who you are, Jim, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell them what's up? All right. Say that again. For Sorry. the for the folks out there that don't know who you are, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to them? so they know who we're talking to. All right. Well, I'm Jim Nunnally, and um, I've been uh, playing in the Nell and Jim band for the last, oh gosh, I guess we started this band uh, eight between eight and ten years ago, um, uh, working with Nell Robinson, and uh, she is a great singer and songwriter and flautist, and uh, we've had this, uh, we started as a duo at, um, in the Nell and Jim band. Started as the Nell and Jim duo. <laughs> okay. Before we became band, but we decided that we wanted to um, do a band after, you know, after we'd been playing music together and there were some opportunities to do that. Because I had been, when we first started it, it's just guitar and two voices. And it's really a project that I'd always wanted to do because I had been playing in duos and bands since I was uh, 15 years old. Oh, wow. And so um, I had been playing a long, long time and doing gigs since I was a teenager. And then when um, when I, this opportunity arose, you know, some 40 years later or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> I... I I really looked forward to it. And it was really fun because, you know, it was featuring two voices and the guitar. Right. And, and so, you know, I was raised 
here in California, in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. I was born in Richmond, California. You know, just about, um, you know, just right across the bay from San Francisco, okay. on the bay. Richmond, right on the bay. For those of who don't know, in Richmond, California, and I live now just about seven miles from where I was born. Uh, and I know you guys are quite familiar with all of the Marin County rock and roll people. Oh, yeah. We live in, Nell and I live in Marin County now. And, uh, and, uh, I know on your show, you, I think had a feature of Terrapin Crossing, which is right, just stone's throw away from where we are. Oh, okay. And, yeah. What a nice area. Yeah. It's a really great place to live. So, uh, in any case, I grew up out in the East of of the Bay Area here and uh, my father he was a real good guitar player you know country guitar style and uh, and he um, taught me how to play when I was about eight years old and you know he, my grandfather played guitar and then my dad learned from him and then my dad taught me so it's like a family family uh, tradition you know like a lineage. so I grew up with that music. And uh, that's how I got into the music, you know, but I, I never really intended to have a career in it. It just kind of, it just kind of happened. And uh, it was really, um, I feel really fortunate that, that my dad was a good guitar player because that, that gave me a standard to shoot for, you know? Yeah. Insofar as, uh, of uh, learning the, how to play the guitar with a certain tone and technique from the beginning was, was, you know, invaluable, really, you know, it cut a lot of, uh, cut out a lot of uh, different learning stuff, you know, that a lot of people have to go through. So just the sound, having good sound all the time is really, it was great. My dad was a great singer, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I had this, these sounds around the house all the time and that were really good. And that's kind of like set the standard for me to, to emulate as a kid. Wow. So um, let me see. Is there anything more I well, should say? You know, I wonder, because I, I have a son. He's 18 years old. And I, uh-huh. I noodle around with the guitar myself some. And... When he was a little younger, I would sit down with him and try and teach him stuff on the guitar. And it didn't always go well. Like my level of patience, I guess, isn't, <laughs> isn't right for that. But I'm curious with you and your dad, how was it when you would sit down and, and play with him? Was it like going to a guitar class with him or was it more like a father-son bonding experience? It was totally a, a father-son bonding. And, uh, you know, that it's really kind of, you know, family history is really kind of an interesting thing. And uh, my father had a serious drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And that was a really difficult thing in our family. And, um, you know, you just kind of, it, it's hard to grow up with that, that kind of a, that kind of a, a life. And then... You know, fortunately, he quit drinking for many circumstances. But then when he quit, he was always the sweetest person, nicest person when he wasn't 
wasted. Oh wow! And so, and so, um, you know, it was like it was this opportunity. It, it happened, like I said, when I was eight. That was kind of before he had really quit drinking. But it, what had happened was my my uh, a friend in our, in our neighborhood had heard my dad knew how to play guitar, and he came over one day and he asked my father. He knocked on the door. I remember this vividly. His name is Pat Dorn. He knocked on the door and he said, uh, "Hey, Mister Nunnally, I I understand you know how to play guitar. Do you know anything about blues guitar?" And so, my dad, you know, he was a sharecrop son from Arkansas, and so he had heard, you know, the blues music, Delta blues music in Arkansas when he was uh, a kid, and. Uh, and so he learned to play. He knew about how to um, to do um, the Delta Blues sound. And so he said, yeah, I could show you how, you know, and, and it goes like this. And he tuned the guitar to a chord, and then he went to the, the uh, silverware, silverware drawer, and he got out a, um, a butter knife, and he started to play Delta Blues fly guitar. And keep in mind that I never even like kind of really registered that my dad was like a guitar player. You know? Right. It was it just didn't kind of make, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like to that point, but he had also been spending for the most part. <clears throat> I remember early when I was really young, like three or four years old, I remember him being a, a playing with my uncles and my grandfather at my uncle's house, but I didn't really pay attention to it other than the fact that I went and put my, my my mouth on a microphone while they were singing, and it, it shocked me. I remember <laughs> that. But I was like a real kid. Right. You know, I'm 60 now, so that was a long time ago. That would have been, I was 1963 or something like that, you know. Okay. 1962. So in any case, um, I uh, I listened to him play and, and show this to this, this neighborhood kid, and then I just, I just said, Dad, can you uh, can you show me that, you know? And he said, sure. And he showed me, first song I remember him showing me was Old Paint. He showed me some chords, and then he showed me that song. I learned that song, and I was, I was eight years old. So um, he was, like I said, he had this problem with alcoholism, but at the same time, when he was not, um, when he was not drinking, he was a really a kind kind person and uh he um sorry for the noise it's all good man Uh, he he uh he was a really um he was a nice person to be around he was really sweet to other people and stuff like that and and uh so what happened was he started to to uh show me this stuff and uh I started eating it up. And so every opportunity when he would come home from work, I would just be there, you know, waiting for him, ask him to show me something else. Cause that, you know, I would have spent time work, you know, while he was at work earning money to raise the family, you know, I was uh, home practicing that guitar. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so he would show me stuff, you know, and I learned all this great old country music, you know, the, in the style of uh, of uh, Mother Maybell Carter and uh, and folks like that, you know, the good old school uh, and, stuff. And just great, great country music. You know, he could sing a lot. 
he sang like a guy named Carl Smith. He's a great country singer. He was married to uh, June Carter. Oh, okay. And before, before Johnny Cash. And uh, he sang like him. He's a great country singer. And, and he could also emulate Hank Williams. And he could emulate you know, Hank Williams Sr. And he could emulate uh, uh, some of these, a lot of these old time guys like Marty Robbins and stuff like that. He could just do that stuff. I always wish that I could do it, but I guess my singing paid off in a different way. Yeah. Singing. Singing and playing uh, with David Grisman, you know, I could, uh, I'd sing all the high, most of the high parts. Um, I did most of the tenor parts, and Keith Little would sing mostly the bar- uh, lower baritone parts. David would sing lead, and Keith and I sang lead as well, you know, in the David Grisman for the grass experience. You know, talking about that, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, growing up in the Bay Area and with the influence that, Garcia had in the music scene there in the Grateful Dead and I know for like a lot of the listeners and for us too my first exposure to Americana music and bluegrass music was through David Grisman and Jerry Garcia and that's where I learned to love that and so for you growing up in the area and being a part of that scene how did it come about that you started playing with David? Um, well, you know, that's really interesting because, uh, David, um, I had listened to him a lot when I was a, uh, when I was a, a teenager and it's kind of a, there's really some funny stories that are relative to that. But in any case, uh, the first time I heard David Grisman, um, a friend and uh, another, uh, that same friend who came over that, that, uh, learned to play the blues mm. guitar from my dad. He kind of kept an eye, kept track of me. And when he found out that I was learning to play, he's a bit older than me. When he found out I was learning to play guitar and was interested in, you know, and playing acoustic guitar, he was learning to play bluegrass slide guitar like Jerry Douglas and Mike Aldridge and uh, uh, Brother Oswald and um, Shot Jackson, all these slide guitar players that, uh, that were out. And uh, the Dobro style guitar, okay, so which f- Garcia Garcia played that style, you know, guitar really well. And so, as in any case, he one day he said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to see this benefit show in San Francisco." And I think I was 15 or 16. I had to have been 15 because I couldn't drive. He he came picked me up, took me to the show as a benefit for the Caffey family in bluegrass. And David Grisman was there with Tony Rice. And I think Larry Cohey was there as playing banjo and, uh, and Todd Phillips playing the bass. So all these great bluegrass musicians were there. And I heard Tony Rice for the first time. And it was like, man, that guy is just as good as Roy Clark. You know, he was amazing. So I went home and uh, my mom said, hey, you know, somebody called here and said you were looking for a banjo player to play with. And uh, I had put a ad in a local laundromat. What? <laughs> it said, Dobro player, guitar player, looking for banjo player to jam with. And 
they hadn't even been up there a day. Okay. And uh, this guy calls and says, I you know, told my mom to give him a call. I called him up. His name is Bob Smith. And Bob was about 21 years old, and I was 15. And, and the nicest guy, he had just moved into the neighborhood. And, you know, as my luck would turn out, I figured, you know, well, if, any, if banjo player is going to ha- hang out anywhere, it'd probably be a laundromat, you know. So it worked. Okay. What kind of thing mentality was that? I mean, I'm very curious about the connection to that. I don't know, man. What, you know, what, what can you say? You know, when you're 15 years old, does anything make sense? No, yeah, no. That's, you're right. It Absolutely. makes perfect sense for a 15 year old. And it worked. It worked. It worked. Yeah. It's like, you know, most people go, what's the logic in that? But hey, you know, and within one day, I get a call from not only was he a banjo player but he was a great banjo player right and uh so anyway i told him i said hey i went over to san francisco a friend of mine took me to the show and and i heard this guitar player he's the best guitar player i ever heard his name is tony rice and he said oh yeah i was supposed to be at that show to play with those guys but i had to work so he was supposed to be with grisman and and tony playing in the bluegrass band that day but he couldn't do it because he had once again, like my dad, he was having a family. He had to take care of them. You know, had to work a day job yeah. and stuff. So, anyway, um, that was the first time I'd heard David play. And then I started following his music after that. Anything that Tony was on, I kind of like started following that guitar style. And, and Bob Smith, the guy who played banjo, he kind of took me under his wing and he started showing me some, he was playing in a band with Tony and David would come and sit in, in that band all the time. And, and they were playing in a pizza parlor down in, in San Jose. And they were practicing for the David Grisman uh, quintet. So that's why Tony was out in California okay. and Tony was doing any kind of a pickup gigs he could do because he had just left playing with JD Crow in the new South in Kentucky and they were <clears throat> they were playing seven nights a week at a holiday in there. So imagine you're a musician, you're used to playing seven nights a week, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Move out to the west coast, and you don't wow. have any gigs. Right. So you're really craving to play music. It's so, kind of like 2020. Anyway, <clears throat> what's that? I said that sounds kind of like 2020. 2020. Yeah, the year we're in with the pandemic. Oh yeah. Oh, nobody. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at him too. Uh, like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. So, you know, so fast forward all these years later, this banjo player, this other banjo player I'm playing with, Bill Evans, the banjo, great banjo player, he, uh, Bill, got an audition to audition for the David Grisman Bluegrass Experience. And Bill, um, I had played with him a lot and knew a lot of Bill's original music, and he was hoping to show David that, but he said, hey, David, would you mind if I bring this friend of mine I play in bands with, his name is Jim Nunnally, you know, and David said, sure, bring him along. And um, as chance would have it, after going to that audition, David asked me if I would want to be in his band, you know. And so so I joined a band in 2000 and played actively with David for 16 years in that band, David Grisman Bluegrass Experience. And we did two albums, and I played on a lot of other projects, uh, Sam and Dave, the... Sam Bush and David Grisman record and some other stuff David recorded for various projects. Tone Poets, 
I don't know if you're familiar with that, but a lot of different things that David would record, he'd ask me to play on a lot of stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's how I got to play with David and, and work with him. And we toured all over the country. We haven't been playing the last few years because I've been really actively involved with, uh, with my band with Nell, Nell Robbins. It, it's it's so amazing what you guys are doing, Jim. It, it, it's really a beautiful testimony to Americana and songwriting and folklore and all the wonderful things that make up that whole scene and it's it's really cool man like seeing what you guys do is really awe-inspiring in that part of so many nonprofit organizations a coffee company <laughs> on the board of this you know on the board of that touring writing music making I, I we were laughing i was like how does one person find the time to do all of that stuff Oh, dude! Damn, that was that was that was an amazing first set. Yeah, yeah, My first set of the interview. Dog I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run to the bathroom. <laughs> Do you guys want a beer? Yeah, no, I want to give me some water and and yeah, How that's about it. some of those uh, awesome joints from Define Premium Cannabis? Uh, we could do that. We could do that. Yeah, that's yeah, a good idea. Let's hook it what? up. Define Premium Cannabis is one of our fine sponsors, <laughs> and we do frequently take their, or all the time, we take their stuff when we go to festivals and shows and You stuff. do? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's, I don't travel That's true. Nope. But no, we have two locations up here in the Portland area, one in Hillsboro, one in Forest Grove. And if you come out and visit us, come to the Hillsboro location, and I will be there. And If I can you go to you the out. Hillsboro location on Monday through Friday and ask for Apple, he will come out of the back room dressed like a terrapin turtle, and his head will slowly poke out of his shell, and it will magically, his nose will point to the cannabis product that's right for your life. Very slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like that, too, because turtles are, like, wise and smart. Well, yeah. We will educate you, but come out to either location, and we will get you hooked up with whatever you need, your topicals, edibles, vapables, dabables, smokables. We got it all, and we can educate you on stuff. There's a lot to know, a lot of product out there. And if you come in, you mentioned that you're a listener to No Simple Road, you will get 10% off your purchase. And a free and, T-shirt. Yes, and a free T-shirt. A free t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So... Come take care of yourself. We're in trying times. We are busy as heck. Uh, people are coming in, and it is really nice to be servicing the community to help everybody stay calm. Yeah. So, shout out, shout out, Carrie, man. Thanks yeah, for going thanks, in there and Carrie. mentioning No Simple Road and yeah. being part of the family. Yes, thank you, Carrie. Carrie, it's gonna be. I'm waiting for him to call me. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to come floating out of the back room, like dressed <laughs> like a sloth on a unicorn, yeah. doing something. Oh, that's so, a good one. I gotta use that yeah. one next week. So anyway, come take care of yourself. Come visit us. We will get you all done up and you can take care of your mind and your body. And then after you're done smoking that wonderful cannabis from Define, Define. you go off to at shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on Instagram. And you know what? You're going to get the coolest Grateful Dead inspired t-shirts, pretty, pretty dope. hoodies, tote bags, um, Help me out here, guys. Uh, stickers. Stickers. Thank you. They made socks, hats. Yeah. They got all. it all. They're, they're and, keeping them going. And they just did a re reissue alert on the St. Stephen stuff, the design that they had with the St. Stephen on it. You guys, go check this out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's worth your time. And the designs are amazing and 
really intentional and lovingly made. But the thing that is extra super special about Shop Tour Bus is the way that that product comes to you. It comes to you in a hand-designed, one-of-a-kind box with a Grateful Dead lyric on the inside of the box. And the shirt is all rolled up nice and it's got twine and it's got a pencil. And the reason the pencil is in there is because there's a genuine Grateful Dead bootleg inside that box. And that pencil is to spool the tape. Which are so many people out there don't. I've never Donating. had to do that. That have never had to do that, like spool a tape. No, nope, I thought you were going to talk about the dip, um, so many people out there donating, oh, donating to the shop bootlegs. tour bus, yeah. yeah, to spool the. Passing yeah. them all. This is definitely a Grateful Dead community driven driven company business. Yeah. yeah, you know, what? I want to add something in real quick about their shirts. One thing I've noticed with them is it is an icebreaker to be able to talk to people that don't know the Grateful Dead because I get every time I wear my Lazy Lightning. Uh, drums and space I get comments on it people want it they're like what is that it's a very unique and then look. you get yeah so they're asking so you get an opportunity to be like well this is from Grateful Dead yeah. world and then you explain the song and everything it pulls them in it kind yeah. of attract like their designs are so cool and you're gonna get free shipping <clears throat> if you put in the promo code no simple road when you check out they will send you all this wonderful stuff we're talking about for free so Yay. Go, go to <laughs> at shoptourbus.com online. God, I did that last week too. Go to shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on Instagram and check this stuff out, man. And you know, I think the band is getting ready to take the stage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Set breaks almost back. over. I feel really weird. Do you guys, did you take yeah. more? No. Okay. So, oh, lights are dimming. Oh, shit. Here we go. Well, you know, part of it is being in a great partnership with my with Mel, and uh, and so she is a wonderful person and a super talented person. Not only a super talented songwriter, and I love her singing voice, mm. but as a partner, um, she's an activist. She's uh, really working hard for. Um, justice in our society and uh, she really doesn't she doesn't sit around and you know just do music she she's very active in in a lot of activities in life and i and i'm really it's just super impressive you know what she 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 does and so we had these visions of doing uh, various other projects and that's how whippable arts came about okay um and that and Banjo Boy Coffee is another completely different story. But I was on this band. I was in this band with uh, um, John Reichman, uh, who's a great one of the great mandolin players. Like like David, John Reichman has his band in Canada. John Reichman and the Jaybirds, and I played with that band for for sixteen years and made a bunch of uh, albums with them and. Uh, John has a bass player in his band whose name is Trisha Gannon, and Trisha grows jam up in the Chilliwack Valley up in uh, Canada, just outside of uh, Vancouver, about an hour and a half in Vancouver. Okay. She grows these, she has an organic raspberry farm there. She grows the raspberry and she makes jam, and she sold that jam on the road. On all, at the gig, <laughs> okay. as a product, you know, because you can only sell so many CDs, right? And right. then 
what else are you going to sell people if you don't have another CD? She sold jam and it really took off. And uh, so she sold literally tons of that, of that jam. Okay. Well, in uh, the ba- the banjo player in that band, his name is Nick Hornbuckle and he's a coffee roaster on Vancouver Island. And so, um, he lives in Nanaimo, and so one night I thought, oh, man, we should sell coffee, you know. <laughs> what, what would be better than to have jam, you know, in the morning on toast or crumpet or whatever, you know, and then have uh, coffee there, Banjo Boy Coffee. And that's where I came up with it, and I went and got the uh, URL that night. We were on the road, you know. Next morning I said, hey, Nick you need to roast coffee. We're going to call it, call it Banjo Boy Coffee. And so in any case, uh, he's like, what? I had already that took, start- wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, oh, that's so uh, neat and organic. Like, yeah, let's have jam and coffee. Of course. <laughs> well, especially when yeah. you're on the road, who doesn't like that? I mean, that, wow. That's yeah. 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 So that's what, that's how that, that came about. And so, uh, I kept the name because Nick, he, he tried to convince his, his uh, employer there that uh, to let him roast coffee. They wouldn't let him do it. So I found a roaster. Uh, Nell had a really, uh, she liked this roaster in, in or this coffee place in, in Berkeley. And uh, so they said, we went to them to see if we could buy or have them roast coffee for us and they said well no you could just go to our roaster you know and they gave us the name of their roaster and then we went off onto that into the coffee business using a, a roaster in in emeryville so now we have banjo boy coffee and these different roasts and uh, uh during banjo com- company i play a during banjo okay and they were interested in selling the coffee and they wanted to have different blends based on the different kinds of banjos they have. So they have a, a six-string banjo that I play. They have a, a five-string banjo, a four-string, and they make a ukulele banjo. So we did roast of all of those. Oh wow! I like I like those yeah. two. You're, so you're the dark roast, the six-string. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. That coffee. So is- that's how that. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, how about your partnership with Nell and how did that come about? So you guys have done all these wonderful things since you've been together, but how did that uh, initially happen? Well, um, Nell, like I was saying, she has many, many talents. And one of the things that she was doing is that, <clears throat> well, she had another career in, uh, in politics and things. And uh, she had um, decided that... <clears throat> Once her daughter was raised and she was interested in singing, she'd always loved singing. And she had studied music when she was a kid. Like I was saying, she's a great flautist. And so she had this musical history and music was in her family and they loved, you know, old time country music and stuff. That's why she has that really authentic Southern sound. You know, she's, her family's from Alabama. And so she, um, decided that she wanted to do a, a project that was for people like her who had put music aside and went and had children and had a career. And then later in life, when they were established, 
that they were getting, a lot of people had an interest in getting back into music. And so she and a couple friends, they decided to do this program called Take the Stage. Initially, it started in Marin County, but they moved it. She moved it over into Berkeley. And uh, they um, were doing it at this venue there called the, the Freight and Salvage Coffee House. And it became quite successful. And what she was doing is she was finding, she would just put out an ad for people who were interested in playing music again. And she got a lot of signups. So what she did is she uh, found local musicians who had been playing music professionally, professional musicians to tutor these bands. And uh, that's how she heard about me through some various connections here in the Bay Area, they were, she was asking around about teachers and things like that and people who could tutor. And so, so that's how we met. And so I started doing tutoring or, you know, uh, for these folks that had signed up for this uh, class and then uh, or this program, Take the Stage, where they would put they would throw bands together, have tutors come in and show them, you know, teach them how to play in a band together. And then they would do a performance at the freight and salvage and it was really really quite fun and That's great cool. idea yeah. and a successful program so um you know she found out that i was a record producer and owner i owned a, a recording studio for 25 years and so um i had made hundreds of records and she found out that that i did that as well and uh so um, she had Lori Lewis um, from the Bay Area here produce this record, and, and Lori wanted only had a limited amount of time, and she rec- Lori recommended me to do one half of the record, and Lori did the other half of the record, and so we co-produced this record, Nell's first record, which was called Luango, and then she made another record, a follow-up record called On the Brooklyn Road, and on that record. While we were working on it, she asked me to produce the whole record, and and we were when we were working out the songs for the record, I kept noticing that our duos, when I, we would work out vocal parts and things like that, they sounded really great. It was a natural blend. Right. So we started working together on that record, and then uh, we were going to do a radio show promotion for her her um, album on the Brooklyn road. And I remembered we were driving across the bridge and I said, Hey, how would you feel about doing a duo working in a duo, you know? And she said, that would be, I would love that, you know? And so we started working as a duo Aww. and over time we developed our friendship and then, we, you know, became life partners together. Wow. That's, that's me. Yeah. That's what an amazing power, well, story. That's a powerful that's, duo. Like you guys have like the entire music industry, like between the two of you covered. Yeah. Covered. Be it performing behind the scenes. Merch. That's a lot of production. Yeah, I'm curious, Jim, you know, all of this, the entrepreneurial spirit and your know-how, your playing ability and then your drive to do stuff is and like nurturing. A, and yeah, it's, do you do you think that was instilled in you by your dad 
Or is that something that you have cultivated yourself through your own experience? Well, I have to say that's from my mom, you know. Okay. That, yeah, in that sort of when you think about the drive and the spirit and, you know, keeping um, keep doing different things, you know, um, one of the it's really interesting, you know, when your your parents I totally credit my dad for so many things like uh um like learning to play music, but my father was his day job was a mechanic. And so he was a transmission specialist. And so besides knowing how to do work on anything on a car, he, he knew how to do rip, transmission repair. And as a kid, you know, at the same time that he had taught me how to, to play guitar, he taught me how to work on cars. And I remember standing next to him at, on a workbench, you know, standing right there watching him take apart these transmissions. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the inside of a transmission, but he taught me these skills Looks like a jigsaw puzzle. how to use my hands and how to repair cars and how to repair things around the house. He was a, he was really pretty, pretty much a genius on, yeah. on wow. mechanical stuff, right. you know, besides being a great musician. So when I graduated from high school, you know, I was looking for a job and I remember my mom, you know, well, my dad said, I said, dad, I need to get a job and you know, earn money, you know, because music, I was doing music, but I never looked at music as a career. You know, I just looked at it as something you do around the house, you know, play music with my dad. I figured everybody in the neighborhood, dad played music and everybody did that around the house. You don't know when you're growing up, you don't know what's going on in everybody else's house, yeah. right? Uh-oh. You only know what's going on in your house. Right. <laughs> so you just make these assumptions. And so in any case, it was pretty funny. My dad said, oh, yeah, well, you want a job? I'll get you a job. He took me down to this place that he had worked for many years. And he lends auto and truck repair. And he said, uh, I want you to hire my son. And they said, okay. <laughs> so I worked there for two weeks. And I thought, you know, I was working under, under a car or a truck one day with the, the owner's brother. We were working there, laying on the ground, taking a part of, taking out a transmission. And he said, his name was Elmer. Elmer said, are you sure this is something you want to do for the rest of your life? Whoa. And really, just thinking about that, I thought, wow, you know, I don't know. So I left that job, and I was trying to think of what to do, and I heard they had a welding program at the school. And I had learned to weld in high school, and one of the first summer jobs I had was working as a welder. One of my brothers got me a job working as a welder for a company he was working at. And I was 16. And so I uh, thought, well, I'm going to go to welding school and actually get some certifications, you know. I told my mom that, and my mom said, you know, she said it like this, you know, Jimmy, you're a good guitar player. You might want to think about going to music school. And I remember my reply. I said, well, Mom, I have to earn a living, so I think I better learn how to do something that I know I can make a living at. So I went ahead and I went to the recording. I went to the uh, welding school and went there and I got my certifications. And then I went to work for Kaiser steel, a steel company in a shipyard here in the Bay area up in Vallejo, California. 
I became the most certified welder in that shipyard. I had 14 <laughs> And I remember my welding, one of my welding instructors, one day I was in the practicing, and he said, he came in, he opened the booth, you know, you had these curtains to keep the, the, um, our, the light from shining into the room, you know, the, the ultraviolet light. You have to protect others from the ultraviolet light when you're welding. And so in any case, my instructor, he opened the curtain. He said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. He said, he opened the curtain. He said, look around. He said, what do you see? And I said, I don't know. I don't see anybody. He said, that's right. He said, you're the only one here every day after the classes. Nobody comes to practice. You're the only person that comes in and practices. And it was like three hours a day, you know, in practice. And I said, he said, why? He wanted to know what was the drive behind me doing that. And I said, well, all I can think is that I'm, it's because I know how to play music. And in order to get good at playing music, you have to practice, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I associated it with. It's like, in order for me to get good at playing the guitar, I had to really put in the hours, you know. Right. Do it the and, best uh, you can. Yeah, and I mean, I did, and and I I really, literally, when my dad would go to work during the day and in the summertime, I can remember playing that guitar for six or eight hours a day. I mean, it was like, it became obsessive, you know, and that's what I figured with welding, too, in order for me to get good, and, and that paid off, because when I went to work in the shipyard, they really, they could see that I had the skill, and they kept having me test on all these different um processes to the point where I even set some of the processes in the shipyard. So, um, you know, I was really young person fast forward from there. You know, I went to, after I was playing gigs, I was playing lots of gigs and I was welding full time. And I invited one of my, that same welding instructor to a gig at the freight and salvage, the original freight and salvage in Berkeley. Um, and after the gig, I said, you know, man, I'm working full time. I'm playing four and five gigs a week. And I said, I'm just getting burned out. I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, do this. That was music. That was 1986. Was that and it? So that's, that's when I decided to go into music full time. And so, um, that was 86 or might have been a little earlier than that. And then I went to the same college I went to for welding. They had a recording arts program and I went through that and I learned to be a, re- you know, a recording engineer and record. They had a good record producing class and I learned, you know, all these things. I had already had a lot of experience playing gigs with, you know, running PAs and, you know, using microphone yeah. technique and, all these things that you learn when you're doing gigs. But um, I went into that program so I could really learn more about the recording process. And I had been already playing. By that time, I was playing on records and soundtracks and things like that around the Bay Area, even though I was, you know, just coming out of a welding career. I really took an interest in what was going on in the recording studio and seeing the seeing how people, how, what the recording engineers were doing and things like that. So that's when I got into recording and I started my own studio 
in uh, 1992. Wow. And then worked that until 2016, roughly. Well, actually, I was in, I was recording in 1990, but I you know, had to start bringing my studio together in 1991, kind of started really did, and really finished it or closed it in 2016. Did your mom ever get the chance to say, I told you so? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've acknowledged it to her many times. Okay. But, Good. So, and like, you know, that question about, you know, uh, where do you get this, this kind of these, um, traits, you know, thrive and things yeah. like that. I it definitely, I think, comes from my mother's side. Even though my father had a lot of drive, my mom certainly did too, and she persevered. You know, she really, I, you know, raised five boys oh. and wow. and a husband. Yeah. But well, it sounds raised like you got a, like you got a very healthy mix from both your parents. Like your dad taught everything you've done. You you kind of like the transmission, you learn what's behind, what the inner workings are. Like, not like just, I'm going to play music. I'm going to find out everything about how it's done. The inner workings, the, that's amazing. Your drive that you have for all of this stuff, <laughs> all the way up to the coffee and everything, just like get into everything, figure it out from the inner workings. And well, and, and from, from our perspective too, like when you come out with an album like Western sun, it's not just a collection of disparate songs. You guys are telling a story and there's a message behind what you've put together. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the beauty of songwriting, you know. And uh, Nell is a great lyricist. Mm -hmm. And um, also we had worked on this particular album. We started expanding into co-writing. Uh, Nell and I, we had written a lot of songs where I would maybe start a verse at our chorus or maybe I'd have a melody and she would help, she would help finish it out. So we had been working in our, our duo songwriting collaboration for a few years. And then uh, we started to collaborate with another, with some other people, but we started working quite regularly with a fellow named Chris Wadsworth. And Chris is a was a student of mine. And uh, he asked me to, to produce a record with him and his daughter. And it was interesting, when he was my student, he was wanting to learn, like, hot licks and stuff like that. You know, like, right. you know, that flashy stuff. And <laughs> I was... Even though I had gone through a, a phase where I had really worked on that stuff a lot, listening to Tony Rice and, and David Grisman, and that's a hard, fast, uh, fluid guitar style, I really always had this influence of my father's, you know, picking out melodies. And the, I love that sound of playing the melody and singing the melody and those kind of things. That was a, this natural uh, progression in my music. And when Chris 
came and he said, you know, hey, I'd like to learn this and that. And I said, well, I said, do you have kids? And he said, yeah. And I said, um, you know what you ought to do? You ought to play music around the house you think your kids would like to hear. Maybe get them, maybe that'll spark their interest in what you're doing, you know, and include them and make it kind of a family thing. That's really kind of all I said. Well, a year or so later, he said, hey, man, you know, would you produce a record for me and my daughter? And I was like, wow, that's great. Sure, that sounds fun, you know. And it was fun. And his daughter had done that, taken an interest in in uh, his music, and they worked out all these duos, all the singing, and she was she's vocalist, mm-hmm. you know, and he's doing guitar, and they worked out the harmony parts. It sounded beautiful. So, in any case, they put out a, a, a record called Mile Rock, which is named after the, uh, they call their band Mile Rock. Okay. And it's a, there's a rock out just off site, outside of the Golden Gate, about a mile out. And it's a, caused a lot of shipwrecks out there. They call that Mile Rock. And so anyway, they, uh, that's what they call the band. They put out, they put out two records. And, um, just from a comment. In any case, man, it, it's just great, you know, that they, they did that. And uh, so that's Chris. That's how Chris kind of came into the fold into working with me and, and Hillary on doing songwriting. He's a great melody player. And we started working with him and, uh, and using a lot of his melodies. And then as Nell would, Nell would craft a lot of the lyrics, and then Chris and I would help refine the lyrics and that's how that collaboration is. Uh, wow. Song. Yeah. You know, how fun. This might seem like a strange question, but I've always wondered this. And in relation to bluegrass music, like there is a huge crossover between the Grateful Dead world and bluegrass music because of Garcia largely. But the, yeah. what do you think the, similarities between that psychedelic world and the bluegrass world is why do you think that fans of of one are typically fans of the other did you say are or aren't are why do you, why do you think that is now nowadays at least for me the folks i know that are into the dead and and the jam scene are also huge fans of bluegrass and that doesn't, they yeah. don't seem to go together if you look at it from the outside. Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, that's a really interesting question. And it's a, I think when you think about the dead and you look at their material, you know, those guys were bringing in material that was kind of like all over the place. Okay. And, and so when you listen to, so, you know, they're going to have elements of, of bluegrass, country, jazz, blues, mm-hmm. these reggae rhythms, all this stuff is going on in the Grateful Dead. Those guys weren't limiting themselves to, to one specific thing. They were totally open and experimental. And I think that um, Jerry... You know, him playing with David and doing the um, 
him Jerry playing banjo uh, with Olden in a way when they put that band together. Well, Jerry had steeped himself in traditional hardcore bluegrass music, you know. Right. And you can hear that influence in his music with the Grateful Dead. And, you know, it, all musicians, when you're listening to, it's like us having this conversation right here. You say something and I respond to it, right? Right. right. So Jerry brings something into his band and then he plays something, they respond to it. So, okay. well, suddenly they've been influenced by that. You know, and they play something and then Jerry plays it back. You know, they go back and forth. That's part of the evolution of the music. All kinds of music is that way. Right. And so I think for the people who appreciate it, in other words, they hear it, they're listening to it. They, it might be subliminal. You may not be able to go, you may not be able to look at what, what the Grateful Dead are doing without having a previous knowledge of something or other and then say, oh, that comes from the world of bluegrass or that comes from Miles Davis or, you know, that comes from, you know, any number of other music music styles, you know. So that's a Bob Marley thing. That's a, this kind of rhythm. That's this kind of deal. You know, when, when you're into music, you start understanding, oh, yeah, this music has got all these different elements of this these different types of music in it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I think that listener, you know, you don't, it might be subliminal. Like I'm saying, you don't may not know it, but um, you'll, you're hearing it. And yeah. then you might connect with music just by luck. You might like some other kind of music, but if you're a fan of Grateful Dead and then you're a fan of Jerry Garcia, then you know that of the great, of you will know about Olden in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Okay. That makes sense. That you know? Makes, yeah. It kind of, it, it, it's like you said, I think subliminal is a great way to say it. It, it kind of infuses you with tones and sounds and rhythms that you don't know you're getting them. And then when you hear them put together somewhere else, it feels familiar. You're attracted to it. And the, the Grateful Dead were always very good at that, like sneaking things in, mixing genres, blending them together. Yeah. And you'd see it on their faces yeah. sometimes when, when they did do, throw a little, <clears throat> Jerry throw a solo in there and have that sly grin. Like, I just threw that down on them. <laughs> yeah. Sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would take off. They would be listening. And, oh, yeah. Then they, uh, another person might go, okay, well, you're doing that, I'm going to go here, you know, it's, it's just, uh, that's what it's about, right? Yeah, and that's also something that you said, too, about evolution, and the genre of bluegrass has evolved into all of these, like, you know, the hardcore traditional bluegrass has kind of uh, exploded outward into, I mean, I could name five or six different subgenres of bluegrass, you know, trash grass and jam grass, new grass. There's all these different terms that are going on and it's producing these um, younger players that are just phenomenally talented, like Billy Strings and um, Marcus King and that are taking the, the genre in directions based on their experience and influence. And I, I wonder what your perspective is on that. Do you feel like that is a good thing that's happening? Because I know there's different camps where this is concerned. Some of the traditional bluegrass guys don't dig it too much. 
but I'm, I'm curious what your, what your take on all that is. Well, you know, it's, it's really an interesting thing because I think when I play bluegrass, I like to be able to play it in those different forms. So if, if, uh, like for instance, playing with David Grisman and the David Grisman bluegrass experience, David is so steeped in just straight ahead traditional music. As with Jerry Garcia, right? Right. Those guys could play, they could play straight up traditional music. And so playing with the David Grisman bluegrass experience, David really just wanted to play straight up traditional stuff. Even though he did some of his original uh, instrumental music, we mostly did straight ahead bluegrass, traditional bluegrass as we had heard it, you know, from music from the forties and fifties and sixties, you know, but, um, the, when I play in some other bluegrass ensembles, we would include more contemporary music or more contemporary songwriting in, in that, in the bluegrass style. In other words, the bluegrass band with the banjo, the fiddle, the mandolin, guitar and acoustic bass in that traditional setup like Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, but with, um, but doing it with a modern, more modern song. Now, I really like to be able to separate those two. I really like being able to play with like David and doing it in a real straight ahead traditional sound in, in the Bluegrass experience. And I also loved playing with John Reisman and Jaybirds that did mostly original songs. Okay. And so that, even though it's a bluegrass context, everybody, you know, there was a lot of original songwriting uh, and original instrumentals that came out of that band. So to me, that's an important part of personal expression for every artist. Mm. So when I hear people that are playing outside of the the traditional bluegrass, uh, let's say, you know, any, there's any number of the, of the, the current young bands that are out that are, their musicianship is exceptional. And then they are taking their rhythms, their improvisation, and they're playing it maybe with bluegrass instruments, maybe with banjos and fiddles and mandolins and things like that, acoustic guitar, acoustic bass or whatever. But they're doing it with their own expression, and I think that's like, it's not only, um, it's essential in mm, growth yeah. of music. I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, what would the world have been if Jerry Garcia didn't play with the Grateful Dead? Right. You know what I mean? And <laughs> didn't start the Warlocks or whatever, you know, what would that have been like? if he would have just said, well, I'm going to play banjo like Ralph Stanley, because I can play banjo like Ralph Stanley. I'm, that's all I'm going to do. And that's it. And um, that's, that's an important aspect of, of the world of music is that you have to go find your own voice at some point, you know? Yeah. We, we've seen one, one example to us that we've seen is with, uh, with dead and company with, with John Mayer. John Mayer is an incredible player, and he like on the crossroads things every year. He can mimic Stevie Ray Vaughan just like about anybody, but he like really kind of found a new voice, a true voice like, with joining Bobby and all the guys. You know, he's it. 
it's uh, grown them up in a way well, and, and found a new sound. And I think too, what to what your point is there, you know, bands like Green Sky, Bluegrass, Infamous, String Dusters, Railroad Earth, they've taken that traditional thing, and like you said, they're playing their expression of the music with the traditional instruments in a non-traditional way and in a way have created something beautiful and new from the root. And that's, like you said, that is music because otherwise we'd still be listening to drumming. (laughs) That's it. You know, if, if music wasn't a thing that grew, we'd be still pounding on rocks and skins (laughs) yeah yeah necessary i still feel like a lot of times that's all we're doing (laughs) (laughs) ain't nothing wrong with that man i've i've had some good times pounding on stuff yeah they just happen that the rocks just happen to have strings today right right so (laughs) with the current world situation that we're in and the quarantine and pandemic and no touring and all that i mean has it it's really changed the game on how you maneuver in the in the world of making music so for you i saw that you're doing concerts now or have you started yeah, the, doing the some banjo concerts? boy yeah well what's happening is uh there's this uh how would you, what would you call it there's this sort of um Ah, there's the live streaming, right? Okay. And the world of live streaming um, has raised some technical difficulties. And so, um, as you you folks may have experienced, if you've been doing Zoom or anything like that. Latency. The, reliab- the reliability is really in question. Right. And that has to do with, you know, being able to stream uh, a program without interruption or without technical difficulties is just nearly impossible. I mean, it's not that it's impossible, but it's nearly impossible. (laughs) And if you get all of the elements just exactly right, maybe you could stream perfectly. But uh, in the case of, of, COVID, but it's put us in this in this um, era of people trying to figure out how can we get our music out like we did by going and traveling around and touring and being on the road and and uh, and going to place to place and taking your music from place to place, town to town, and then uh, performing for people in different regions. Well, the beauty of streaming is that it's allowing our music to go worldwide, right? Oh, okay. So we can stream from San Rafael, but everybody in the world can tune in to it and listen to us around the world. Suddenly our music, you know, like we just did, uh, we, we did a festival last weekend. And so we had the Whippoorwill Arts Awards and Festival, and we had, I think, 5,000 listeners, at least 5,000 each day. Wow. So imagine that you're doing a gig, you're doing gigs, and um, let's say that you're doing, um, you're going to play clubs and stuff. Well, if you're playing hundred seat clubs or two hundred seat clubs or fifty seat clubs, that isn't like getting your music out to five thousand people, no, right? Right. 
And so the interesting thing is that a lot of donations are coming in from, from these types of things. And um, the, the people that wanted to hear you, they are really appreciating uh, the people that we're finding. We're not, you know, trying to find the typical groups that you typically would hear at a festival or something like that. Right. We're going out of our way to find particular artists that are doing a specific thing that we feel like they're unique. And we're, we're, that's who we put in on the festival and in the awards, but also we're now doing the Banjo Boy Coffee Series where we're also featuring artists that we feel like they deserve recognition from just their sheer talent. So, you know, record business was really a different business insofar as they would go out and they would have people who would go and find talent. They would do talent searches. They would find a talent that they figured that they could make millions of dollars off of of, and they would take their chances of marketing those people. Right. The A&R guy would go out. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you had these people doing that. Well, what we're doing is we're not necessarily looking at it from that perspective. And we're looking at it from the perspective of Whippoorwill Art is finding, we're doing talent searches, but at the same time, we're listening to the people that we really appreciate their music and we're willing to just promote, help to promote them, help to get them out there, you know, as people have done for us and you know like what you're doing for me right now right right you're you're listening to me talk and you know i mean who am i i'm just a guy that plays the guitar but you know you've gotten some contact you found out about me from someplace you found out about me and now and our music right that's what we're trying to do too for artists and that's you know the new medium of streaming mm. it allows a us to be able to do that without having to have what would have traditionally been the record company support and also um, AM or FM radio support or television station report, you know, I mean, support, those types of things. So it's a very different deal. And uh, this is, this streaming has really opened up a whole new world. <clears throat> But it's created some problems too with this technical difficulty. It isn't doesn't always sound as good as you would hope it would, and that's where sometimes you have to pre-record it and then upload it so that when they stream it, you don't have this internet speed connectivity issue that Man. causes garbling and cutouts. You, know, you know what I do for a living on my day job, Jim? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I work for I can't say the name of the company, but a telecommunications company that that's what they do is I help I, keep help yeah. people stream. I, I designed, without difficulty. I designed the fiber optic network that you're doing that on. And I understand, yeah. I understand what you're talking about when you talk about the limitations of bandwidth and getting the streaming, right? It is next to impossible because you don't, you don't overload it. Yeah. You don't so know who's online at what time and, and how many people yeah. and when, and what, you know, I will yeah. say this though. Out of all the streaming stuff that I've seen, there's one band that really gets it right when they're out playing live. They stream every show, and I rarely see a glitch, and that's Fish. Fish live streams. Oh, yeah. And and for some reason, I don't see that technical difficulties 
screen coming up too often. So I don't know what they're doing that's different than everybody else, but the it can be done. But like you said, yeah. it, it's created a whole new world for all of us, listener and musician alike, in that we have access to acts that we typically wouldn't get to see living on the West Coast and vice versa. And then worldwide yeah. as well. It's given it's it's taken the lid off the scene, if you will, in a way. And yeah made it so accessible to to everybody and i think that's really wonderful that you're seeing uh people being generous right now yeah well it's a i think it's it's a new whole new world that's coming up you know and um i think that there's so many aspects of it the technology of streaming the technology of of uh, instantaneous communication between people around the world, there's big changes coming up. And the old guard, I think they're fearful because they want to control everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting yesterday, we did a social jam with some of the people that I play in a band called Bangers and Grass. (laughs) Love that, yes. We... We haven't um, played since um, November of last year. Oh, wow. And we finally got together, and it was really interesting because that was a total jam band experience, and we had really a great time. We always had great audiences at this club in, in Kensington. Okay. Well, you know, it would always be packed, and it was always a blast. And But we never rehearsed. We never, <laughs> we only ever just got together. And we did requests from the audience, you know, whatever they would request. If we could do it, we would do it. Okay. And so we got together yesterday for the first time, and the mandolin player in that band, Tom Beckany, he was talking about his daughter, and he just said, man, his daughter is uh, 18 or 19, and said, you know, this generation is so much more aware and so much more on top of it and so much more open and receptive to what the old guard is afraid of, you know? And I think that that perception is really important. And there, Chad Manning, the fiddler, his son was there and he plays mandolin. And uh, he's about, I think 15, I don't think he's 16 yet, but, and he said, Tom said it's, to Jasper, hey Jasper, what do you think? You know, and he said, "Yeah, well, I'm disappointed in a lot of the way things are, but you know, yeah, I think that there's a lot of openness now with with this with my generation, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's so totally important because you know, people, this is exactly what you were just talking about: holding back musicians or musicians holding themselves back." And, uh, and so many great musicians would say, like Bill Monroe would say, I believe he told David Grisman this, or he told Pete Rowan, um, you know, now you've got, now you learned my music, now you've got to go out and create your own music, wow, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's an important part of the new generation, you know, where there's all these new technologies and all these new things that are coming out, and it'll get refined and better and better, 
and to not figure out how to make it better and how to embrace it in a certain way is, would be a sad thing, yeah. you know? And, uh, I think that one thing, there's a great program, a great, uh, podcast that was on, I think it's called 13 minutes to the moon. Okay. You heard that? No. It's, it's amazing because, to me, one of the astounding facts about that, they talk about the whole Apollo mission, and it's really great to listen to. Okay. But the average age of the people at NASA that sent somebody to the moon, it was, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was either 28 or 24 years old. Wow. That was the average age of the people that worked at NASA that sent somebody to the moon. Fresh ideas. And so, you know, you got to look at that and you have to say, you know what? It's the current generation of people that really the great thinkers are coming. They're coming, you know, they're, and they're being presented some new technologies and stuff that, you know, Einstein didn't have, you know what I mean? And right. if Einstein, the next Einstein that's going to come along, they're going to do even more astounding stuff like that, like Einstein did, you know? So you have to think about that stuff and you have to just keep going and going and keep trying and trying and looking for the future and, and have faith that the, that the, the new generation of thinking and the new way of thinking about certain things that got overlooked in the past, you know, you really need to, to, to embrace it, you know? Yeah, and I look at, you know, I just look at the, what, you know what? This country went through a civil war, and it's just so bizarre now to still be battling these same, yeah. the same thing. Talking about you know the same I mean? thing, yeah. It's two two hundred years later, or whatever. It's it's ridiculous, yeah. man. It, I, I agree. It's really a strange place to be. That here you are in Portland. You guys are in Portland, Oregon, and the, all the news media is focusing on what's going on there right now. Right. And you just look at it and you just go, this is really, in some ways, you know, I mean, what is going on? What, what how come this, what is so hard about solving this problem? You know, what is <laughs> yeah. the... Yeah, it's not... What, well, it, what, like, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, like, your perspective is very fresh. And you mentioned that you were 60, and not every 60-year-old across the board has a fresh perspective about the youth and how we have these thinkers up and coming it's kind of like well they don't know and they're too sensitive and you hear all these other uh you know rhetoric about this younger generation but we're the ones that need to like like you and Nell are like updating the way that you perform and the way that you put out your record and you know the fact that you even know about live streaming and technical difficulties says a lot to the evolution of what's you know of not just uh, music generation but your generation period like not only are you embracing these new technologies but you're using them and then encouraging people to learn their old ways and use the new technology to grow and that's just really great and I mean whether you realize it or not that's a very like it, it's a leader's mindset and to put that out there is really great especially to um, the audience that listens because a lot of them are younger as well and mm -hmm. need to hear that yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, I was a kid once too. 
Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, because you were just mentioning your friends um, um, on the bangers and grass that their children were there. That's the same age you were. You said that you were playing with, you know, starting to play with bands and learning really um, yeah. your instrument. It's a, yeah. it's a yeah. very strange Yeah, well, thing. I've always, you know, I, I've always really um, felt like I've, I've learned from this previous generation, you know, and I used to love to just, I mean, to me, to go to the Old Time Fiddlers Association and hear these Old Time Fiddlers play fiddle music, I mean, to me, that really spoke to me as a musical form. And I would just, it was just, you know, I couldn't believe it, you know. And it's sort of like, man, this is just like free. I mean, here, <laughs> I get to play music with these people and it's free. I can't believe it, you know. They have these old time music fiddle associations and you could go there and hang out with people that are cool. You know, they like music. And I think that, you know, across the board, it's fun. It's really an interesting thing to try to understand the differences and how to settle the differences without it going towards violence, you know, mm. and, uh, how do we get to this point where the, you, know, you don't look at that as, as the way to pursue a solution? Yes. You know, that's, that's the way to pursue trying to control people, but that doesn't work. I've, people just won't be controlled. How, hey, how you know would what? You do, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was, you, you said, you know what? So go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was, Oh, Mel is walking around here. I didn't know if you guys wanted to say hi to her. Absolutely. Yes. yes. We didn't know you could. Oh. Hey, come over here now and say hi to these folks. She's getting her sewing machine together. Her daughter's coming, speaking up, you know, teaching your daughter and Hi. stuff. They're, they're working on a new quilt. They're working on a quilt for yeah. a, a, a wedding present. Mm-hmm. Actually, we just finished the quilt. It was just for my, my daughter's um, oldest friend. My daughter's 28, and she's been friends with this woman since they were six months old. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a special yeah, quilt. She's getting married. Yeah, so we made a really, I, it, I'm really happy with how it turned out. So we're doing that. Now we're working on a jumpsuit. Um, we're both going to sew each other jumpsuits. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a fun mother-daughter day. I want to tag along. <laughs> yeah, wants to come. come on over. Bring your project. I, I really, we have a lot of friends. Well, we have some very close friends who quilt and sew and embroider and this and that. And it's so fun to get together. Of course, we haven't been able to do it that much, but my yeah. daughter and I can do it. So. Mm. I'm no, looking forward to it. <laughs> no, I, just from all of us, I, I want to say thank you for everything that you've put out into the world. Your your music is incredible. You, you Your lyrics you, are, yeah, are it's beautiful. Really so beautiful. And the way that you present them and the instrument, like everything that you've done is so, it seems so precise, yet um wow. yet fluid yeah you know like intentional but so creative and beautiful and so i'm glad and that fun. yeah <laughs> so fun so fun you you create a, a mood and an and a, a space to dance and enjoy the music and it's it's beautiful so just thank you for what you're doing and um thanks jim for oh pull, pulling you over mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for listening and thank you for i'm i've been cleaning house also and and it's been wonderful to walk through and listen to your your feedback and your conversation and Jim's good questions and good 
interesting answers from Jim. Yeah. So I'll let you guys get back to it. Thank but you. Um, thank you so much for keeping the music alive and out there in the world. And um, come on by and see us at Chicken Point sometime when this darn virus is all over. Heck yeah. Uh, do. Thank you. You too. We've considered the invitation right. anytime you're in Portland to come on over. Oh yeah. Okay, we will do that. We love Portland. Okay, okay. thanks you guys. Back oh, yeah. Thanks, Mel. Wow. Now that I just gotta say that's amazing. That was a quick hello to her. But you, you two on your own are amazing. And then for you two to have met and now be partners, it's like Wonder Twin powers activate. <laughs> like bring that together, and it's it just so inspiring yeah. what you're doing. It, one thing, I mean, I already have like uh, the, the Molly Tuttle. The, just that you're you're so welcome into our lives as an influence. Now, I already have a list of these. Was it Benjamin Tucker? The, these artists, these younger ones that you're talking about, that I need to listen to now and let into my life and my heart and learn about. And you guys are just such a great influence. Yeah, man. Well, that you know that it's interesting to. One of the things that uh, I guess got me in good graces with David Grisman was that, oh, well, I had been practicing with him and stuff like that and, uh, and for his band. And then the, one of the very first gigs that, that I did with David, I got a call from David's manager and said, hey, uh, David is going to do the show up in... Uh, at Wintergrass in, uh, that's in, was in, used to be in Tacoma. And, uh, he's going to be playing with this band called Popville. And David's son, Sam was about, I don't know if he was 10, 11 years old at the time playing bass with all these kids that had gone to a program called bluegrass at the beach. That was, a uh, that's where Sam had been going to study bluegrass out in, in Oregon, out uh, near Haystack Rock, out that area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there used to be a, a music camp out there, down a little bit off of there. And so, um, in any case, they called me up and they said, yeah, you're on David's short list of guitar players that he would play with. So they, we, and that he would come and, and play. And you're going to Accompanying kids, <laughs> Whoa. and I thought, now this sounds interesting. Yeah. So I get up there, and okay, so you never know with kids what it's going to be like. Well, <laughs> these phenomenal. One of them, they're just like unbelievably great. All of these kids, and they were none of them. I, you know, the average age was probably eleven or something. And they were just so great, and it was so much fun to be there with David and these kids. Pupville, David Grisman and Pupville. It was really a fun experience, you know. And so uh, that's kind of how I felt when I was a kid, and I got to play with these old-timey guys, you know. They were just so great. They had all this experience, all this music, and always shared it. They were so happy to share it. Right. And... You know, I wouldn't have known about a lot of di a lot of different kinds of music if people didn't share it with me. You know, so um, if you just kind of 
you go through life and somebody says, oh, you like that? Oh, you got to check out this, you know. Oh, you like that? You're, you know, it's like you guys are sharing tapes of different shows and things like that or, or not tapes anymore, but sharing websites or whatever. You right, know. <laughs> yeah. And you go, oh, man, we got to check this out. You know, listen to this, listen to this person. And it's really awesome, you know, really it's amazing. That's how the family grows. That's the beautiful part of it. I just had a thought, like kind of what you were talking about. I think part of what we're living in right now is like you said that the, the old guard, uh, they look at, at, at it as losing control. And like what you're describing, we're all about sharing control. They feel like they've lost yeah. control. So what we're living in right now is a reaction to directly to them losing control and us taking over. Oh shit. I, yeah. I don't exactly. want to control anything. Well, yeah, I, I think that's that's happening. Yeah, it's not necessarily even control in a in a negative sense. It's just like you know when you have like control of the steering wheel, and then all of a sudden you don't. But somebody that whoever has it actually knows how to really drive great, and you <laughs> and just we're all never capable of yeah, driving. and you just never handed it off, so yeah. you didn't know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. This. this yeah, and there's you know there's new ideas. It'd be a drag to stifle that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we wouldn't see any new, beautiful, well, wonderful stuff happen. And that, like we talked about, like with the music too. Like growing up, like, I'm 51. I ain't growing up, and with Aaron, you know, he's a few years behind me. It used to be like in the a lot of times musicians were were like on a pedestal. But like, like, oh man, you you know, like you said, you had to have a, have a backup plan with welding and stuff. You had to think about that. That's getting so blurred nowadays. It's so open, especially with the, what's going on now, the streaming and area. so many people have talents and now have a platform, a foundation. People like you, other people out there providing a foundation to these kids to encourage that. Like, no, you don't have to worry about do do what you love. Don't, you know, don't worry about that backup plan and stuff. And it's just magical to see happening. Well, you know, I, I, um, I think that there's different aspects of the entertainment industry, you know, and, uh, there is the music. I think that that to me is the beauty of these different mediums like YouTube and, and stuff like that, where, you know, you're going to come across things that you just, you, they're you would just have never imagined you could see it. And then you see it and you just, you just go, Oh man, this is unbelievable. It doesn't have this kind of pop sensibility, but part part of the part problem with pop culture is that it's kind of like spoon feeding people Mm -hmm. and some, somebody who has a lot of money is feeding a culture, what they think they should, they should have so that they can make you know, more money so they can make more money. Right. And it's just, and, and you buy into it in certain aspects, you know, and I told, I certainly have, I mean, mm-hmm. I own an iPhone and I own an Apple computer and are several of them. And, <laughs> you know, it's just this kind of thing. I bought into this, this particular, uh, uh technology because, I connected with it and I did, you know, a Dell computer or, or compact or radio shack computer right, or whatever right. it was. No, I um, get you. 
I, I connected with that particular thing and oh, I'm in this, I'm in this, um, bubble, the Apple bubble. Right. And, um, and it's really interesting because once you get into it, get into the bubble, you kind of go, Oh, well, how do I get out of the bubble? I mean, how do I transfer my stuff out of here and make it all? Cause I kind of like that other thing over there. I like that other phone or I like that thing. That looks pretty cool. That might be better, but I'm already locked into this, this culture, you know? And so that's kind of like a, an example of our lives, you know, it's like a lot of people, when you talk about the old guard, they're like, well, how do we keep our wealth this way and this this thing? How do we do these things this way and keep doing it this way? Because we're afraid of losing everything if we let us slip a little bit or something. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. but Instead of having to open it, they want a proprietary towards what, well, they're, what they've created. And on the flip side of that, I mean... You're talking about being exposed to things that you would have never been exposed to. I saw a guy on YouTube the other day that hooked up electrodes to slices of watermelon and kiwi and had it amplified and was playing funk on On kiwis and watermelons. And it was (laughs) amazing. No, it wasn't. It wasn't even like silly. It was was like funky, groovy, awesome music. And so... Yeah, that that to me is a personification of how flipped everything can be. We don't have to have curated entertainment anymore. We can cut up fruit and hook up electrodes to it if we want. I can hang from the ceiling naked and cover myself in glitter. I can, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, the, the the all bets are off as far as that's yeah. concerned, and it's a it's a wonderful thing because the societal norm is not being curated by somebody pulling puppet strings. I mean, that's still going on, but there's a lot of people that see through that illusion now that are doing alternative things. And it's, it's a, I think it's a testimony to the human spirit and our, our divinity, the whatever spark of, universal life that's in all of us that wants to express itself in beauty and love and connection and unity and all of that it that's coming out and showing itself in all these wonderful ways and people have an opportunity to see it now yeah you know that's and and an interesting thing i think an aspect of this part of our human nature and this is probably a limiting factor of our is that it can be limiting if you're not willing to embrace it. But, you know, anytime something different, you're presented with something different, anytime I see something different, I might feel uncomfortable with whatever that is. It, you know, the way somebody cuts up fruit and sticks electrodes in it may make me feel uncomfortable, you know. Right. But there's a part of me as a person that when I was a kid, there was a certain amount of intrigue about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I suppose that it's continued into my adult life that makes me go, well, wow, this is amazing, whatever it is. Even though I was uncomfortable with it at first, I'm willing, I have an open mind where I go, oh, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, this is, I see where they're going with this. 
But I think a lot, the problem with a lot of people is they won't ever go to the point where they could say, oh, I see where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is interesting. But they'll shut it down before it ever goes, has a chance to develop in their, for them, you know, whatever they can from that, whatever that might be. Right. That's a different, a different perspective. I think that a lot of people aren't allowing themselves to experience. Does that make sense? Totally. It totally makes sense. And that the uncomfortability factor is the thing that, makes us rigid in our um, keeps it the same it makes us rigid in our thinking and yeah that's one thing I, I mean psychedelics have taught me a lot of weird lessons in my life but one of them and the major one of the major ones is how to be comfortable being uncomfortable like allowing myself to feel uncomfortability and not running from it but embracing it yeah and yeah. That that's that creates that plastic kind of mold malleable thinking where when I see something that makes me uncomfortable, I'm not like, well, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that could yeah. be right. That could be my new thing. Who knows? Let me try it. Check it out. Let me taste it. Let me see it. You know, whatever it is. And we're moving into that. And, you know, it's funny, synchronicities and things like that. The second this is. This is the second time today I've heard somebody say what you're saying. So we must be on to something. The universe is speaking. Yeah, well, continue to grow. That's the idea. You know, I, I know if you folks, if you got a chance to, to watch, it might be ending today. I'm not positive. It's supposed to be up for one more week, the festival that we did, the Whippoorwill Arts uh, Music Festival and Awards Festival that put on last weekend and uh there was Randy Elliott on there and uh he was the master award winner this year of uh, the Whippoorwill Arts Award for 2020 Master Artist what's his name and uh Ramblin Jack Elliott okay and uh so if you've never heard Jack talk you should listen to him and if you don't know his history, he's, he, his, he is this great artist who influenced the Rolling Stones, the Grateful Dead. You know, he toured open for the Grateful Dead. He was, he was, uh, he was, uh, a of, uh, Woody Guthrie. Oh. He, uh, Bob Dylan learned a lot, had all of his records. Um, it's, he's an amazing guy. Okay. In any case, Jack, uh, he has a, he's totally open to learning, you know, all the time. And he's an inspiration that way, you know? And so I really feel like he's the kind of guy that when you, when he, I mean, he's just always wanting to learn. He wants to learn. His mind is open to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's 89 and, uh, just turned 89 and, what a great guy, you know. In any way, I, I would hope to be like like that. And like my mom, you know, she's the same way. She's 84. She's always, you know, receptive to learning stuff and likes to read. And and uh, that's what you want. That's kind of a goal, you know, is to be like these people that, are, that learn from the people, 
you uh, respect, you know, and then, uh, like, I wrote a song about it. My dad, I wrote a song called Something I Don't Want to Know. And it was about growing up with my father being an alcoholic and all the things I saw him do, you know, that led him to spending his paycheck every week in the bar and, you know, being arrested and going to jail and those kind of things. I learned a lot from that experience. And what I learned was, is I didn't want to, I didn't want to know what that was like. Right. Right. So, um, I really prefer my mother's attitude, which is, you know, work, she worked hard and she raised family. And if it wasn't for her, you know, her kids probably would have turned out like her husband in their youth. But instead we all built a certain respect and things from the way that she taught us, you know? Right. And so I think that that's a, that's part of their, the continuum of, of uh, our life and learning and, and things like that. So, well, I appreciate where, where you're at, man, and, and what you're doing. And we will definitely check that out when we're done talking here. Is there is there anything you have coming up you want to tell anybody about before we take off? Or is well, have we covered We have the Banjo Boy. Uh, be sure to go to, you know, Nell, Nell, N-E-L-L, and A-N-D, Jim, J-I-M, dot com. And there are links there for a lot of things, but you can also go to the link of Whippoorwill Arts. From there, go to Whippoorwill Arts. That's where you'll find out about a lot of projects that are happening. Not only our band, but the Banjo Boy Coffee series that's starting to happen. That's streaming. And uh, that's happening every week through October, I believe. And uh, it's uh, featuring a lot of exceptional artists there and I hope you guys can check it out and I hope the folks that are listening to your podcast will check it out and be inspired by those musicians you know absolutely and man thank you thank you all so much uh, Aaron and Apple and Mel thank you guys for having me on the oh, show today thank you for reaching out it's so yeah. flattering to have somebody i mean anybody especially somebody like you to that, that you wanted to come on our show and knew who we were we're, we're <laughs> still you know we're still babies at that we're, we're three years in approaching 200 episodes but it still constantly makes us feel so good to hear from somebody oh. like this and i hope we weren't too gushy and unprofessional or anything <laughs> <laughs> but I, I we i mean it it, it it it's the community we live in and we so we're, we're like that a lot yeah and you know jim well, i i appreciate it man like like i said before having you on on the show is a no brainer for us i mean you we're all part of the same family so and i'll yeah, make sure to yeah. put the the link in um the show notes and also the link will be up on on no simple road.com to uh, nell and jim.com for you guys mel what were you gonna say i just want to jump on the train of just thanking you for your time on a saturday and sneaking nell in and just giving us the backstory yes. of your like your beautiful life together so just thank you for sharing that and again for being so open with the youth and helping to bring them up in a different kind of mentality that you know maybe we were raised with mm-hmm. so 
I just want to yes. say thank you. Like it's it's um, guests like yourself that really help to bring like I feel like nutrition to our listeners. Like, you know, ear wise, like the stuff, then the content and your history. These are the stories that people want to hear. And I just want to thank you for sharing that and giving us some uh, food for thought. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I look forward to the time when I can drive back up to Oregon. Yeah. I have a lot of friends up in that area. And, uh, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great part of the. Uh, of the United States and Oregon is so beautiful. I just love going up there. I haven't been up there enough. This year we had some gigs that were planned and they got canceled and uh, we would have been up through there at least twice. But well, we would have loved to see you yeah. for Northwest String Summit, we got, Jim. You got three more friends up here now. And yeah. um, you got to yeah, all right. come have dinner with yeah. us when all this yeah. ends. Can't wait to break bread together here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have played at the Northwest String Summit. Have you? Been, yeah, I played there with the Grisman. Uh, maybe the first or second one that, yeah. that they had there. That's our that's but, our home uh, fest. That's 20 right minutes on. from our yeah. house, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I love that valley out there. That's beautiful. Now, that's not far from Medford, right? That's um, Medford's down south, yeah, down, down at the bottom of Oregon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff going on all over Oregon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying I was trying to remember exactly where what where, Horn, where Horning, it's it's in just north of Hillsboro outside uh in Horning's hideout. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, I got it confused with another place. But it's a it's a beautiful place and when all this ends you can come up and hang out and we'll we'll dance a jig together. That sounds great. All right, my friend. You have a wonderful Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon, and I'll let you know when this is coming out about a day before, okay? Fantastic. Thank you. All right, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Jim. All our best. Take care, brother. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Wow, man. This was not a Dennis McNally hookup? No. This came through Sarah. Wow. This feels... Yeah, that... That's that where I almost brought up Dennis at one point because it reminded me of the thing like them giving all these foundations opportunities to kids. Him starting out as a kid at eight years old, this of Dennis McNally that just stuck with you and us is like, who am I to say no? Yeah, the first who the am first I to say no to anybody? Yes. You, yeah. I, I love when <laughs> just before an interview, there's like all this technical crap happening and I'm like, I don't know how <laughs> I'm going to pull it. Then. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then we, an hour and 40 minutes later, I went like the end. We're just, we're just really recently getting to know who Nell and Jim are and to have that, to like to have the conversation we just had. That's when an we're honor. Or yeah. When we're not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah, we don't really know about. the gold egg that's in front of us. It's the great and, thing about being right? like unscripted. That's, that's see, that's one of the reasons why I would love um, doing that because <laughs> you're so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love not knowing too much. Of course you want to know who they are yeah. and, and what they're capable of, but you start going diving and reading articles and, in the back of your mind, you have that in there. It, and so it influences your questions. Totally. It like influences your everything. It's like that. Like you say, you can learn to play everybody else's music. Then you need to play your fucking own. Exactly. Okay? Play your own. And so with, with the way that I used to do it is just like, okay, let me listen to a few songs. Who literally are they? And let's go. For me, yeah. it's if I read too much. If I start looking at articles and old interviews and watching interviews and all, of, I feel like there's no questions left unasked. I'm like, well, well fuck it. Everybody's already asked them. But everything. we're not interviewers. You, Remember, you, we're conversation. I'm, I'm, that's havers. what I'm saying. So and you start doing that, and then you start in your head. You got 50 things. Like, well, I can't ask that. I can't, can't go I can't down talk that to road. About coffee because they already talked about coffee. I can't. Ask. When in reality, these are just articles that were printed. They're they they've been together for a long time they've got a hell of a lot of shit that they I, haven't talked about I, I love that nell just floats through and she's like just finishing up a quilt now we're gonna make jumpsuits for each other like i'm off to go play, play the flute that just Sing made me so shit. happy i already loved her when i saw I her and heard suit. her but she oh. and her jumpsuit with her daughter all right you guys thanks for so listening sweet. You're a beautiful beautiful listening family we love you guys man um go check out jim or Nell and Jim Band, uh, Nell and Jim, Jim dot com. com, and you can find out about Whippoorwill and Banjo Boy Coffee and all the amazing stuff that they are up to over there. This is like the bedrock of our family, you guys. Yeah. These are these are, and another there, this there like, was like a, uh, I don't want to say Mount Rushmore because that's not cool anymore, but like a pantheon. In the world that we live in, they would definitely have a a, a seat they, on the Mount Olympus, and they're they're part of the, that whole Marin County, San yes. Rafael, everything. It's like a huge incubator. This is another couple that's like they're incubators for all of the stuff that's happening. Yeah, it's super amazing how couple. much has come out of like not just the world, but that area down there so. that has been bred out of that. Everybody's and, been so forthcoming too that we've talked to in that area with. Mm-hmm their lives, their influences, like just very open. And I love that about the family and about that um, specific part of the country in general. Like they are just like 
a well of knowledge and ready to give it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those few other places that we've visited several times that we've always said, we've said that several, like, like if it wasn't up here or something, the Bay area yeah. is yeah. a place. There's something really, magic about something the Bay area. Something magic about the Bay area, man. So, so shout out. I was just going to say that. Shout yeah, out. Yeah, shout, shout out. out Bay until we get, Bay. get down there again <laughs> and go visit all these friends that we're making mm-hmm. down there. It's, yeah. So we'll be back next week with more stuff and things. You know what you guys need to do this week? You need to take care of each other. You need to wash your hands. You need safety third. You uh, need to drink water. And you know what, man? Pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. But, you know, don't don't dive in so deep that you, you drown. Just take care of yourselves this week. Take care of your head. And we'll see you next week with another one. We love you guys. Love you. Peace. Bye. tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com dmb thanks relics It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now the podcast about nothing your favorite podcast's favorite podcast do you enjoy nothing (laughs) so do we why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts thank you